getting ready this week, I thought, man, this is uh, a difficult passage to begin with. And then all of a sudden last night, uh, Tennyson gets sick and Jenny has to work today. So my anxiety goes out the roof and I thought, really, God, of all weekends uh, to bring anxiety on me, this is not the weekend uh, for this to happen. Like you couldn't have waited last week. You couldn't have waited for the middle of the week when Jenny was off work. Oh, no. God decided, nope. We're going to let you see if what you preach and what you practice is the same. So I was like, okay, God, I guess it's in your time frame and you're in control, and so I'll just have to submit to that. Uh, but I do come up with uh, anxiety today. I have fear about this uh, day. And I don't know about you where you're at, but maybe you uh, are caught up with anxiety today. And so my hope and prayers I've been preparing today and this week was for us that we would uh, not just find relief from our anxiety, but hope in our anxiety. Uh, if we do not have hope in our anxiety, our anxiety will continue. And so uh, we're in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Uh, if you were here with us last week, you remember that uh, Jesus had just talked to us about treasures. And so last week's message was really about how do we deal with the luxuries of life? You know, he's telling us uh, not, to, not to store up these things uh, in on earth, but to store them up in, tr in heaven. And now this week, he's going to deal with the necessities of life. So last week was the, the, the luxuries of life, and today are the necessities of life. Uh, last week dealt with the rich and how the rich even deal with uh, anxiety. Today we're going to look at the poor. You see, each, each, it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor, you will go through anxiety. It just doesn't matter. We cannot escape anxiety. I remember as a little boy thinking, man, if I could just get that next job, if I could get, just get the next thing, then I wouldn't be so anxious about not having the money. If I could just, and now I've got a, a better job and a better income, and it seems like there's just different kinds of anxiety. So it doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. We'll always deal with anxiety. You see, the, the rich people, rich people tend to uh, deal with their anxiety by being in control. So they'll continue to hoard is what we looked at last week because they believe if they can earn enough or keep enough that they won't be anxious because then they'll trust in the possessions rather than to trust in God. And the poor are the exact opposite. The poor tend to distrust God because they are poor. And so they have anxiety about getting the next thing. And so this morning we're going to look at anxiety. We're going to look at what does God say about His provision for us. Uh, three times in this passage, He tells us, do not worry. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been around people when you're worried, and they say, well, just don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Like, those are not very comforting words, and yet that's what God tells us through Jesus here. He's telling us this morning, hey, if you're anxious, don't be anxious. And you could say to Jesus, and as I was studying this week, yeah, easier said than done. Like, that's way easier said than done. I'm about to break this microphone. <laughs> See, everything's got to go and bring me anxiety. I feel my armpits sweating already. Gosh almighty. You know, three times, maybe he's telling me, don't be anxious about a microphone. I, I don't know. And so three times in this passage, verse 25, verse 31, verse 34, he says to us, and it's not just a suggestion to us, it's a command from Jesus to us. Do not be anxious. Oh, really? Well, how do we go about that? How do we go about not being anxious if it's a 
command from Christ not to be anxious. He gives us four reasons in this passage for us not to be anxious. I really believe we become anxious because we steer away from these four things. The four things are we must remember that we have a master. Look at that here in a few moments. We must remember that we have a father. We must remember that we have a faith. And most importantly, we must remember that we have a future. And so this morning, we're going to look at our anxiety through the lenses of, do we believe that we have a master? Do we believe that we have a father? Do we believe we have faith? And do we believe we have a future? Because we, we will go into anxiety when we don't believe these four things. And so we'll start in verse 25. In 25, he says this. Uh, therefore, circle the word therefore. In scripture, when we see therefore, I just whistled in the mic. Yep, I heard it. You heard it. Uh, Y'all try to play it off like I don't know when I make mistakes. I know I make mistakes. It's going to be a full anxiety ridden message. I can already tell because I'm saying things I would not normally say. So when we come to a passage and we see the very first word, therefore, we have to ask ourselves, what is it there for? That's one of the very first things they teach you in school. If we see the word therefore, what is it there for? Uh, There's another thing that we learned in school. Context is king. Meaning that this verse is placed in this part of scripture for a purpose. And we need to know that. So context, the context of this verse is very important to the rest of the passage and the passages preceding it. And so we go back to verse 24. What is therefore, therefore? It's to show us that we have a master. Remember in verse 24, He says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or you cannot serve both God and possessions. And so Jesus is telling us right off the bat when it comes to our anxieties, what are we trusting in this morning? Are we trusting in our possessions as our master? Are we trusting? trusting in Christ, our God, as our master, as our king. Because if we, if we go after our possessions, our possessions will always leave us wanting more, correct? And that's true for me in my life. And so he then goes and says this, therefore, since you've already chosen, right? He's already making that assumption in this passage. Therefore, since you've already chosen Christ as your master, he says, therefore, do not be anxious. He's not saying to us, don't be anxious and then choose your master. He's saying, no, you've already chosen your master. Now for you're not to be anxious because you already have a master and it's not your possessions. It's God the Father. He uses the word, do not be anxious. That term in the Greek simply means this. Don't, he's saying to us, stop what you've already started. Let me say that one more time. He's saying, Jesus is saying here in that first verse, therefore do not be anxious because you already have a heavenly master. Therefore do not be anxious. Don't go ahead and stop what you've already started. Here's the beauty in that phrase. Jesus knows that we're going to be anxious people. He knows we're anxious people. And so he's saying to us this morning in this text, hey, what you've already begun to do, I know you've already begun to do it, go ahead and Stop doing it already because you have a master. He's not telling us stop being anxious. He's telling us do not be anxious because of the master you have. I'm so grateful that Jesus doesn't just say, there's an old, old Bob Newhart uh, clip. uh, And it's him in this counseling office. And he 
charges uh, $5 a minute for counseling. I'm like, man, that's not bad. If you take the money five times, you know, that's a good, good amount of money as a counselor. I'm like, man, if I could charge $5 a minute, that wouldn't be too bad. But the, the scene goes like this. The, this young lady comes in and she says, only $5 a minute, you'll give me the cure. And he's like, yep. And so she sits down and he screams out, just stop it. That's not what Jesus is saying to us in this passage. He's not just saying, just stop being anxious. He's saying, hey, remember who you serve. Because it's in our remembrance that we won't become anxious. And then he uses the word anxious or to worry. It comes from the root word to choke or to strangle. I don't know about you. I know from my own life, uh, I deal with uh, anxiety. And probably not at a level some of you do. Uh, but for me, when those moments of panic come, those moments of anxiety come, it's like a two-ton elephant is stepping on my chest. And it's the idea of like, I'm just grasping for air when I get anxious. And so that's what that word means. Anxiety just means that there's like this stranglehold on this. There's this thing that's sucking the life out of us. And so Jesus says, don't, don't be anxious. Don't, don't lose breath or don't lose what over our anxiety he says this about your life therefore i tell you do not be anxious about what your life circle the word life you know we could read that word life and just think it's the moment of time between the moment we're born and the moment we die that's not the word that christ is using in this passage that word life simply means all of us the totality of the person our spiritual life our physical life, our emotional life, our mental life. It means all the person, the whole of the person. He says, do not be anxious about all of you, the whole of you. Well, how come? He says this, and goes on in verse 25. Do not worry or do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you drink, or nor about your body, what you will put on it. For is life not more than food and the birds more than clothing, uh, the body more than clothing. You see, the simplest way to put anxiousness or worriness is this. The simplest definition comes down to this. It's a distrusting of the promises. Catch that. It's the distrusting of the promises and the provision of God. When I worry, it's because I'm distrusting God as my master that he has made promises. And if we have a master that has made promises, his promises always, 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 always come true. But not only that, do his promises come true, he promises us that he will be our provider. And so when I get into anxiety, I am more concerned that I will not have the promises come true or provision to be made for them. And so Jesus is telling us, when we're anxious, it's more about our trust that we don't have a heavenly master we would believe that we would say all these things that jesus we talked about this several weeks ago do we believe that our master is jehovah jireh god provider do we believe that this morning because we we begin to distrust that god is the promiser the promise maker and keeper and he's also the provider 
And so then I begin to get anxious. And in my anxiety, what do we do in our anxiety? We go to master the thing that we're anxious about. We go to take control. And God is in control of all things. And so what's the opposite of being anxious? What are we to do when we get anxious? We're to remember that God is the master of our lives. And if he's the master of our lives then he's not only the master of our lives, but what he's the master of everything. And so three things we see is God is truly master than what? Three things. If he's the master, then he already owns everything. We see that in Psalms chapter 24, verse 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's, the earth is the master's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it, that God is the master of all things. He is in control of all things. He owns everything. Do we believe that this morning? Do we believe that our master owns everything as far as the eye can see? Because if we don't believe that, then we will take our anxiety and try to gain control and think that we own everything. Uh, there's an old, old, old theologian his house was burning down and they ran up to him and said, hey, your house is burning down, your house is burning down. And he said, not my house. And the guy that looked at him like, no, I, I just saw your house burning down. He said, no, no, it's not my house. It's the Lord's house. I don't own my own house. Now, I'm not saying in that we don't make provisions and we don't take care of the things that God has given us, but we have to understand that all that we have has already been given us by God because he owns everything and it's on loan to us even this morning as Tennyson is homesick he owns her already he will care for her in ways I'll never care for her now that doesn't say I don't have responsibility if she continues to be sick to take her to the doctor and make sure she's okay I just have to stay out of anxiety because God cares for her and owns her way more than I own her, and he's lent her to me to take care of. But God is over her and controls her. He owns her. But see, if I don't believe that, then I'll get into my anxiety to try to take control of what I don't believe God can take control of. The next thing that we see, if we don't believe that God is our master, is that what? It goes back to he controls everything. Everything is his. He owns everything. And if everything is his, he controls it all. It's in First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and give strength to all. That God is in control of all things. That our master is in control of all things. It's all in his hands. Do we believe that this morning? The next thing that we see is this. He, if he owns all things, he controls all things. If it's his to begin with, he's in control of that, then what? Then we have to believe that then, therefore, he provides for us. Philippians 4.19. And my God will what? Supply every need of yours according to what his riches and his glory in Christ Jesus. If he owns it all, he controls it all, therefore he disperses it all where he sees fit. But if I don't believe that God is mastered, I don't believe that he owns it all, then I don't believe he'll control it all, therefore I don't believe that he'll provide for me and I have to provide 
for myself. And that's where anxiety comes in. That's where I get anxious about my life. And so the first thing in verse 25, do we believe this morning that we have a master in heaven who what? Owns it all, provides it all, controls it all. The next thing that we see is this. It's in verses 26 through 30. It says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet you're what? Your heavenly father, underline that in your, in your Bible this morning. Your heavenly father feeds them. Are they not more valuable than, are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the, to the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of, oh, little faith? There's three things that we see here, but the first is this. We'll look at this more in Matthew chapter 7 in a few weeks. He says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 and 11. He said, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a serpent? Verse 11, if you then who are evil know how to give what good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who seek him? You see, because we have a heavenly father, we don't need to worry about our most basic needs. I don't think Tennyson and Cedar are worrying today about where their next meal is coming from, about where their clothes are coming from, about how they're going to stay warm. How come? Because they have a trust in me. They have a trust in Jenny that they trust us to provide for them. Now, I don't know when it happens or where it happens or how it happens, but somewhere along in our journey, we stop trusting in other people. Therefore, we really stop trusting in God that God will be our great father, that there is a God that is our father that cares for us. And so Jesus is saying to us, not only do we have a master and we're his servants, but we now have a father. He brings it into a very personal relationship. And he's saying to us, if we have a father that cares for us, he will provide for us and he'll provide our necessity. Right? He uses three illustrations to do this. He loses uh, food. He uses the illustration about how long we'll live and about clothing. The first thing that we see, there's a picture of it, is about birds. Have you ever seen a bird? I have a huge plane glass window on one of the four walls of my office from uh, the floor to the ceiling. And so uh, when a client isn't in there, I'm just kind of debriefing the moment before the next person comes in. I'll stare out the window and there's always just birds all over uh, the, the field in front of me. And those birds are going after what? They're going after their food. And if you've ever seen a bird go after food, it goes after it feverishly. But it doesn't go after it anxiously. It has been given instincts by God that God will take care of them by going after the worm that's in the ground. They're not anxious about it, but they work hard to find the food. And so Jesus is telling us, hey, Look at the birds. I can just imagine he's on that hill, on the mount. That's why it's called the Sermon on the Mount. He's on this mountainside, and he's talking to these people. I can just imagine there's these birds all over the place, and he's using an illustration that's right there in the moment. Hey, look at those birds. 
See how the birds are going after their food? And he says to us, are not you more valuable than the birds? Just take a look at the birds. Next time you're out and about, and you're just able to calm down, just watch birds go after their food. I don't think a bird is flying out of a nest panicking about where a worm is coming from, but you and I will panic about you fill in the blank. That's called anxiety. This is what uh, John MacArthur says about this verse. I, I love this. And he's talking about us, the sons and daughters of God. He said, no bird is created in the image of God or recreated in the image of Christ. You see, we as God's people, as God's children, as God's sons and daughters, are the only thing in all of creation that were what? At the beginning of time that God says, let's create them in our image. We're the only things that are created in the image of God. That no bird is created in the image of God or recreated in the image of Christ once you become a believer. No bird ever promises airship to Jesus Christ through all of eternity. No bird has placed... But uh, prepared for him in heaven and if God gives and sustains life for birds will he not take care of us who are his children who have been given all those glorious promises you see we begin to get anxious when we forget that we have a father and we forget that we have a father because we forget that we're children of God and if God has given all these things to all of creation he uses the example of a bird we are much more valuable than birds because we carry something that no, nothing else in all of creation carries. That's the image of God. And as a believer, we therefore now carry the image of Christ Jesus. We'll get to that in a moment. What do we do with, if we have a heavenly father, we aren't to be anxious because we believe that there's one who will provide all things for us. The next thing he talks about, he gives the illustration of a bird. I tried to think of a picture for life, and the only one that came to mind, I don't even know if I need to say it, was a casket, and I was like, that's kind of morbid. I'm not I'm just going to leave that out. But now I let, didn't leave it out. I just didn't give you a picture of it because I said it. See, this is going to be a bad message because I'm anxious already. But he goes in verse 27 and talks about, hey, if you're anxious, do, does your anxiety live to you living longer? Even modern medicine tells us that's not true. Anxious people die quicker than non-anxious people. How come? Because anxiety takes a toll physically on the body. And when we get physically worn out, our body begins to shut down, and when we begin to shut down, our body cannot care for itself the way God designed it. So when we're anxious, we're robbing ourselves of the very thing that God wanted to give us, and that was life. And he says, worry will never add to your life. Worry only takes away from your life. The next thing we see is he uses this illustration, the lilies of the field. Now that word lilies of the field was most likely, weren't, weren't lilies, they were just most likely just wildflower. Again, he's on the side of the mountain, so he's looking out over this mountainside and just sees rolling hills of wildflower everywhere. Now I, I don't know about you, but for me, flowers are some of the most beautiful things in all of creation. Like to see field after field after field after rolling uh, hill of field is beautiful. I love on, I think it's Medical Center Parkway, that, that just huge field of all the sunflowers. Uh, that place is amazing to me. I, I love going out of my way just to stop and look at that field because it's just so beauty, and the beauty 
captures my, not just my attention, but my affections for God. Well, even the flowers. The flowers are not going out of control thinking, man, will we grow? Will we look pretty? Will we, you fill in the blank. You see, I probably needed to worry about those pants I had on, not last week, but what the story I was telling you about. But I, we are not to worry about even the clothes that we have because God says that we're even more valuable than the lilies of the field. And they're beautiful. And yet God is saying you're more precious than even they are. And so for us, what happens in this passage is that the lilies of field, as beautiful as they are, they don't last forever. forever. And, and, and it says to us, once they are no good, once they are no longer beautiful, they're gathered up and they're thrown into the fire. Then all that the flowers of the field are really useful for are beauty and warmth. And he says, are we not more valuable than that? And so for us, do we believe that we have a heavenly Father who cares for us? I was thinking about this as I was studying. It's amazing to me all the things that we do believe in. But then it's almost more amazing of the things that we are anxious about. Right? You and I as believers, we aren't worried about our eternity. We don't sit and wonder if we've been redeemed by God. As believers, we've been redeemed by God. We believe He's redeemed us. We believe He's set us free from sin. We believe He protects us from Satan. We believe that He's preparing a place for us. And yet, when it comes to our most basic needs, we get anxious about we don't get anxious about our eternity. We get anxious about our momentary moment in life. Very few believers sit up at night thinking about, man, am I going to spend eternity with God? But tons and tons and tons of believers stay up at night anxious about how the next bill is going to get paid. And I think Satan dupes us into that because he knows that if we get anxious our anxiety will lead us away from God if we get led away from God we're, we're more vulnerable to his temptations and then we fall into him temptations because in those temptations is how we believe that we can get back into control which only creates a problem you see working with addicts all day every day I can boil their symptom down to one thing anxiety and they found a relief for their anxiety through drugs, through alcohol, through money. And Jesus is telling us, hey, we've gone away from believing that God is our Father and that we need something else to take care of our needs. And then when we can't find those things to take care of our needs, we'll look for a synthetic to take care of our needs. If you ever talk to a drug addict, alcoholic, sex addict, gambling addict, They'll tell you, I just don't want to feel. And getting to the drug is what allowed me not to feel. And they're always going to lead back to feeling what? Feeling anxious. And our anxiety comes out of we don't believe that we have a master and we don't have a father. The next thing that we see is that we have a faith. You see, Jesus is talking to those men and women on the hillside. He was talking to believers not unbelievers. He says that by what he says in verse 31 through 33. He says, hey, you're, you're like the Gentiles. What that word means is just you're like people and you are like 
unbelieving people. That's what Gentiles meant. You see, because Gentiles are unbelievers, they go after the thing that they think will give them hope and faith, and it's always an external thing. And Jesus is saying to them, you, are, you as believers act like unbelievers because you don't have the faith that God is your master and that God is your father. And it says this in 1 Corinthians about Gentiles, about unbelievers that keep going after the thing, after thing, after thing, after thing. 1 Corinthians 15, 32, it says this. This is what the Gentiles or unbelievers say. Let us drink and eat for tomorrow we die. We, that's where the slogan, eat, drink, and be merry. They, they think, hey, we can just escape the world if we just do these things. But as believers, we have something that unbelievers don't have. We do have a faith, amen? We have a faith in God, our master, and God, our father, that will provide all things for us, and we have to remember that. And therefore, we can do and say what Paul said because we're reminded of the cross of what we celebrated two weeks ago. Our faith always points us back to the resurrection. That's what gives us hope. That's what sustains us. A new car will not sustain you. A new house will not sustain you. New clothes will not sustain you. Eating at Ruth Chris, though it's amazing, will not sustain you. The cross is what sustains us. The cross is what gives us hope and gives us promise. And therefore, we can say and do what Paul says in Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your what? Your requests be known by God. He's saying to us, hey, we're not anxious because we continue to have a faith that we pray about and we give thanks to God about. And in that, in our thanksgiving, in our prayers, that there is a God who will continue to provide for us. Therefore, we do not have to be anxious. You see, if we're anxious, we could trace that back to what does your prayer life look like? If you're in anxiety this morning, I would say you probably have a pretty weak prayer life. Because you're not taking your requests and making them known by God. You may be taking your demands to God, but you're not taking your requests to God. God doesn't always answer our demands, but he always answers our needs. The next thing we see is in Romans chapter 12 about anxiety. It says, do not what? Be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." That by, the, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and what is acceptable, what is perfect. That's what anxiety is doing. But we need a transformation of our heart and our minds to get us out of anxiety. And the transformation happens because of what we believe to be true about who God is and who he says he is. And so then he says this, the word but. He said, but don't be anxious about any of these things, but what? It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible, verse 33. But what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, these things being our needs, will be given to us. That word but simply means rather. Rather than to be anxious, let us seek the kingdom of God. Seek just means to search for what are the things that he tells us to seek? He tells us to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Here are some practical ways as we come to the end. The first thing we are to seek, do we seek God as king? Is he the king of your life? 
are we seeking him that way? The next thing that we can do is do we seek the kingdom of God? Remember we did that in the Lord's Prayer. Are we seeking God's kingdom? The next thing is this. Are we becoming evangelists because we believe in the king and we, because we believe in the kingdom? You see, when I begin to give things outside of myself, typically my anxiety is decreased. When I serve the Lord, my anxiety is decreased because it's no longer about me, it's about something greater than me. And when I begin to serve something greater than me, my anxiety is decreased. The fourth thing is this. When we seek, we submit and we obey. A lot of us are anxiety because of a lack of submission and because of a lack of obedience. And the last one is this. Do we pursue righteousness? Is your life and my life marked with the pursuit of righteousness? The things that are holy, the things that are godly, the things that are set apart from the world, or am I seeking the things of the world? Do I seek righteousness or do I seek the world? The last thing in closing is this. What he tells us in verse 34 and 30 in verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The last thing that we must remind ourselves is that we have a future. And our future isn't tomorrow. Our future is today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed lunch. We're not guaranteed this evening. But if we believe that we're not guaranteed tomorrow, we believe that we have a future, the future is now, then we will not live in anxiety. Here's the deal about anxiety. Anxiety robs us of today because we're worried about tomorrow. Very few people are anxious about the moment. Most people are, are anxious about the moments to come. And so Satan knows if he can get in and rob us of the moment, that we won't live free lives. If we don't live free lives, we won't worship a holy God because we'll be caught up in our anxiety. And so Jesus is telling us, hey, remember that you have a future. And our future is that we have a home with Christ Jesus. Because if we remember that we have a heavenly father and a master that's in control of all things, that has redeemed us and set us free, then our future will be, will be reminded, hey, the bills may not be paid, but the bill has already been paid. And so we will get out of anxiety by reminding ourselves that, wait, God has a future and a hope for me. And so I'll live in that, and I'll be captivated by that. We see that in two verses. We see that through all of Scripture that we have a future. <clears throat> and the future doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God already. Lamentations three twenty-two through 23 says this. <clears throat> the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That's our future. God's love never ceases. God's love is for today, tomorrow, and for all of eternity. And his mercies never come to an end. They, what? They are God's steadfast love and God's mercies are new every morning. That's what John just said. Great is thy faithfulness. You see, if we're in anxiety, we cannot sing great is thy faithfulness. We cannot. Because we don't believe that there's a faithful God that will redeem us in the moment of our anxiety. Isaiah 26, 3-4. You, God, keep what? Him in perfect 
peace, whose mind stayed on you because what he trusted in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord is an everlasting rock. Do we believe that this morning? Do we believe this morning that these four things are true? Do we believe that we have a master? Do we believe that we have a father? Do we believe that there is a faith? And do we believe that we have a future? You see, when we go off course and we don't believe those four things, we will get spun up in anxiety. And anxiety will ruin our lives. Anxiety will steal from us. The very thing that God came through Christ Jesus to promise us life and life to the full, our anxiety robs us of life. And so this morning, if you're here and you're anxious and you feel like, man, there's this thousand pound elephant sitting on my chest, I would say to you, come forward, pray that you would see, God, are you my master? Are you my father? Do I have a faith and do I have a future? If you're an unbeliever here this morning, you have no master but the world. You have no heavenly father but the world. You only have faith in the things of the world, not the one who gave the things to the world. And the last, you have a future. We all have a future. But your future is spent in eternity without Christ forever and ever and ever and ever. And if that doesn't cause you anxiety, I don't know what else will. To think to myself this morning, if I were to die this morning, I would spend eternity without Christ Jesus. That would cause me to be anxious. That would cause me to be helpless. That would cause me to be hopeless. And I want there to be an answer to that. And the answer is Christ Jesus. Amen? Let us pray. God, it's so easy. Uh, in your word where you say, don't be anxious. You say that. Those are easy words to say. They're hard words to live out practically. And I'm so grateful for this text that you give us practical ways not to be anxious. And so God, I, I don't come this morning and say to anyone that's anxious, oh, stop it. But I do come and I offer hope and that hope is in your son Jesus. And God, I pray if there's people in here that are anxious this morning, that even this morning through the work of your Holy Spirit, that even this morning they'd feel like they could take a deep breath. And that they'd have hope. And they'd be reminded that, God, you are a God of great promises. You are a God of great provision. And you tell us in your word, are we not more valuable than the birds of the air and the lilies of the field? We're created in your image. You are a great Father who cares for us tremendously. I pray that we'd find hope in that this morning. Continue to lead us and guide us, I pray. I pray this all in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Number 85 in your hymnal. Let's stand as we sing this great chorus. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way.